Okay, good morning. I don't have a ton of time here, but guys, I wanted to share something before it just left me because Christopher Columbus is one of my ministry tools. Okay, and let's use Christopher Columbus. He's a good controversial person. So if we want to keep using him, we'll probably figure out a lot of things. But let's take your Christopher Columbus and let's just break him off and use him uh, for our own purposes. Christopher Columbus, in my story, is looking for a new land at this point now. Um, he's looking for a new land. And he, he, he believes, this is my Christopher Columbus, he believes if he sails a voyage <coughs> with the blessing of the queen, he'll find the new land. And first he has to convince her that, that there is a new land Next, he has to convince her that it's worth her time and effort to back him that that she might gain something by him finding that, okay? That's what you would need from the queen. She'd have to be like, you know, usually they'd say, oh, a new land, wow, I can take that, that'll be mine. <clears throat> but a queen will also have to think she's got to invest her efforts into this place, wherever it is, and she would probably take time to ponder, do I want to invest myself in a new place? Can my kingdom take it? What happens when other people find out about this new land? And now I've only got, you know, four soldiers there to defend it and everybody else comes along. Maybe we ought to just leave it alone. A good queen will think about everything. And, and Christopher Columbus, as much as he might want to think about all that the queen thinks about, Christopher Columbus can only think about what he's got to do. His quest is to get that land uh, linked up to someone of influence. He needs that land it's his dream to get that land turned into something. Now, people who explore and people who try to trailblaze, we, we always want to question motives, but a lot of times we have to remember there is a substance in the universe that is ever discovered and hardly anybody knows what's going to be discovered until it is. The palpable excitement about knowing there is something better than what we know is what causes people to forge ahead. It happens in every industry. Well, in this case, Christopher Columbus, you know, he's he's figured it out. Everybody keeps thinking this is all there is. There's all this fighting. Everybody's mad about this, that, or the other. There's no more space. This land used to belong to them. Now it belongs to us. Y you know, it's for someone like Christopher Columbus in our story... Uh, leaving that is A, appealing, and B, providing something different, maybe something to excite people. I mean, there are people, it's been going on through the ages, who wake up in their culture and they see that people are unhappy and struggling and they, they come up with an idea. Uh, let's do something else. Let's go somewhere different. Let's be better. Well, in our Christopher Columbus, not the evil one from history, <laughs> but the one that we're using is just a man. So he's, he thinks he's figured it out. In fact, he's gotten there in so many ways. And there's where his communication with the world and his communication with the queen would cease to make sense to anyone except Christopher Columbus. He has been there. He has seen it. And there are things he knows. But those things that he has seen 
are not anything, just like the Queen's vast decision-making abilities. They're not things that can be conveyed to people who aren't seeking what's there. It's only because when he sought all that he needed, he found it there. It was a new place. It was a different place. It was a fresh start. It didn't have all the history. It didn't have all the, the uh, uh, confusion. And that's what he wanted to tell the queen. There is a new place. And, and she, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't listen to him. Of what advantage is this new place? She would say. And he would, he would go there, even. Perhaps, in our story. But if not, we have a, we have a model here for humanity. And I, I want to explain something. I've been talking in my ministry about many, many, many things. And there's a male-female uh, push and pull that is so often considered to be a war. As if the sexes would war one another. Is that biblical? Is it biblical that when we find ourselves in the midst of it, that what we're going to be experiencing is a war against women or men against women or women against men? No. So in our extracting of ourselves from something that boils and roils among the people, you know, I can do this definition later of why I believe this, but, you know, people's relationship to the problem of men and women in a, in a culture and gender war is setting the tone for whether we escape or whether we endure. Okay? I have to tell you something. There are many questions for Christians in these, these days. We are conflicted in our hearts with the desire to escape and the love enough to endure. You see, that is beauty in itself. God wouldn't leave us such a mystery to explore if it was meant to destroy us. This wanting to endure for the sake of what? And it's always, when you endure, generally, it's for love. And honestly, people try to judge each other and everything, but the actual love itself can be beheld by anybody. And and this is Jesus, right? You can't tell the lowest of the low that they don't know how to love or the or the richest or the highest. You can't tell anybody they don't know how to love even in the midst of their sins because you would be saying you couldn't find Jesus in the midst of your sins. You couldn't be Jesus in the midst of your sins. The love is capable. The love is able. It's us who are incapable. So, what happens when you present to the queen, it's now been, now you're into it, okay, and let me tell you something, people, and this, I'm telling you every word I'm saying this morning, I mean, and I think is important, and then I'm, I'm going, you know, even if you get the queen to fund you, and you do it, and you discover the new land, it is not the end of the story, like in Star Wars or something, where the metal's around your neck, and now you just disappear, unless that's what you want to do, and I might suggest that people do that, <laughs> if you get the opportunity, I see that. And maybe that's the enduring versus the escaping. And if I've thrown a stone at the escapers, I apologize. Because what would you see me doing but escaping myself? Not escape And both escaping myself as well. My own self I'm escaping. 
And, and perhaps that's what they do. They stop criticizing, they stop self-analyzing, and they go where God brings them. So I don't criticize them on behalf of God. Why not just be myself? So let's say you get your moment, and you've shown her, and she sees it, and now you've funded it, and she's funded it, you're over there, it's happened, you've got the land, now you're starting to bring things back, and she's like, why did you spend all that money and time to bring me back a, a, a boat full of these strange fruits that I don't like? And he said, it's the most valuable thing they have there, uh, you know, I thought you'd like it. And she, and and he knows the battle he went through. He could have been there for a year, and everything in that world was about these fruits. And she, you know, I don't know why. I'm just coming up with this, but that is kind of how life is sometimes. And he spends all his time, and he he's so proud of himself because at the end of the day, he came up with all the fruits that they had. He's like, I got them all though, and brought them. And, and so this is a man's heart, and he brings it to her, and she says, Yes, but I don't even like them, and they're not useful to anything for anything here. And so Christopher Columbus would have to start thinking quickly. Now, most relationships begin to fizz out right around here. You know, Chris is like, look, I uh, <laughs> don't know. But in this case, we, we know that Chris isn't going to give up. So what do you, Christopher Columbus, that is. So what we do is we, uh, Christopher Columbus begins to think. Now, I'm just going to give you random stuff here as if I was writing a story, but obviously could go any different way. Okay, well, he has a brilliant idea. Although he, it was, and this is why dealing with the queen is tough. Although he risked all the expense that it took to come two weeks back over the ocean to bring her back the, uh, it was more than two weeks, okay, to bring her back the fruits. Okay, despite that, if he brings them back again, he has basically a huge amount of the most valuable thing there. What would she like? And he'll go purchase it. Now, this is where Christopher Columbus wins and 99% of humanity fails. When you are confronted with your moments where you were being handed your dreams on a silver platter with blood pouring out all over the plate, please make sure you remember that was John the Baptist and we're after Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry, John the Baptist, you had to go. I don't know. That's just the way the story goes. And of course, I would have been at your funeral, but I've got to get going and Jesus is still out there. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to keep looking at the prize here and not at my own works. I think this is Cain and Abel 101 as well. I don't know. It seems like it's about the same category, the shifting of thinking, shifting of relationship when you have a different relationship with God, you have a different relationship with men and women, humanity, man. So you shift it. You shift your abilities. And that's why I want to tell people that we're in an enterprise where we're engaging a culture. And you can take these pieces and they, like anything from the Bible, what I find is the piece immediately works on your immediate problem. And sometimes in the most simplistic way, directly relating to the words of the scripture. So if it says, uh, <clears throat> you know, you got to be baptized in water and the spirit, you go and get baptized. But there are other times when you're reading the Bible and you, you've got the water element or metaphor, but element of the Bible, and you take that and understand it from God's principles. And then you realize being baptized in water means many different things too, because the living water that comes out, you know, that flows out from one's heart 
also pours over us and continually baptizes us as well. The word of God, when it comes out upon us, helps us re-baptize because it, it chases away the sin and it enhances the love because it causes you to fight for what's good and all this stuff. It's a, it's a new baptism. You, I'm not saying a new baptism, but because you renew your mind every day, you know, old things must pass, all this kind of thing. You're renewing, you're being renewed. So this is like flowing streams, ever flowing water. All these images are all through the Bible, but you know, some people won't even ever go there, right? And it doesn't matter. It does it mean it was not going to work for them at all. No, but let's not get distracted. But again, when you ha when you first encounter the thing itself, you'd got to notice this is biblical. Okay, even it's symbolic. From there, enjoy your relationship with God in light of the fact that when you live your life, you keep finding yourself in biblical situations. And then if you make the right biblical choice, you should see the reaction. And just like we have many choices, and even with our free will, we'll find ourselves making right choices and getting a blessing and making wrong choices and getting a curse. And we'll find those things happen in our lives, just like all the different saints and prophets in the past had these ups and downs. But we're trying to navigate just through the good ones. Well, your, your opponent or your conflict or anything is also making choices. And it could be any number of the bad guys or adversaries in the Bible. It could respond to you by continually just hunting you down and trying to kill you. Or it could respond to you by sheltering you when you were in trouble. Or it might be converted into your belief system and serve your God. You know, we never know what it's going to do. And that's why we keep making our right choices. And then we see how we don't expect. That's where we're being rude and judgmental. If we expect and we say, well, the, the left is like this, the right is like that, and that's what they're going to do, we are being judgmental and we're not allowing God to instantly change anything. Who would want to, how could it even shake off its identity that you gave it? And this is how our eyes and our hearts and our, even our lips and tongues have to change the way that we, we enjoy our Lord to be his functioning, functioning members as opposed to the ones in dysfunction constantly clinging and crying out for God all the time. Where are you? Where are you? I need a blessing. I need a better thing. Christopher Columbus, in this example, is really just like you and me. When we believe in the kingdom of God, we, we ourselves, as a, as a vessel, each of us, each person under my voice, as they say, each person hearing this has had their own touch, their own experience, has their own imagery in their mind, their heart, and what flows out of them comes from their love. So when you encounter another saint, you are encountering a Christopher Columbus. If they are a good fruit person, <clears throat> they might entice you in, but all they show you to is a new land that you have yet to see because the kingdom of God is so many things that that I believe it's so immense that that's why there's no jealousy in heaven. Whatever you're experiencing and finding is of value to me because it's there for me too. I just wasn't going to see it unless you told me, which is why I'm so glad I ran into you. You know, have you ever been standing somewhere and somebody says, hey, hey, look at this. And you're, you're in, a, I've had it happen. And you turn, like in nature, let's say you went to the park 
and you're just minding your own business, maybe you're typing on your phone, okay, I'll give you some, some grace there, you're typing on your phone, and somebody says, hey, hey, come here, look at this, and you look, and oh, look, it's a little bird's nest, it's, it's uh, at eye level, and look at the cute little birds, everybody's looking at it together, well, <clears throat> you know, that doesn't have a lot of meaning to a lot of people, but, but you would have never noticed it, and it, you're all in the same place, you're not competing, somebody did something, they enjoyed it, and, and they actually shared it with you, and it was amplified, most things that the devil has us chase after, if somebody shows it to you, you're like, I got to have one of those. But God isn't like that. So that's what I mean. Christopher Columbus is, is us. I have seen a new land. God has shown me a place. It is so powerful. See, it's not beauty. It's not how I feel when I'm standing in it. It's that it is so powerful that it shakes you to the core. It's so powerful that it, 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 it removes all doubt whatsoever. And this is, these two pieces alone are enough to change one's life altogether. Imagine your doubts being erased. Not, be, not because you're going to become Hitler. Your doubts are erased because you're walking on the water. Jesus is right there. If he didn't want you to walk on the water, he would have you sink to the bottom like a stone. But as long as you're in his gaze, and you're not even necessarily having to obsess on anything like, whatever, because most people just get lost in this kind of metaphor, but just knowing Jesus is there, however many seconds it is, days, weeks, whatever, that's an anointing, that's an ability, and if you fall in, it doesn't mean it's all over for you, and that's what I want people to understand too, is just, I guess I, I automatically need to preface the ending here by saying, You know, a, a person's heart when they when they let go of needing to own everything and prove everything is because of their good works that's in their life. When you can brag that the good things in your life come from God, you know, and you try to display, look how much I love God and look how we do it. Look how it goes. You know, you've essentially eliminated the need for the queen at that point. You're Christopher Columbus, you're not riding around in a Rolls Royce of a ship. You've got a ship that works. You've got a ship that's smart. And nobody quite knows everything that's going on with that ship because it's constantly moving. Even the crew itself cannot keep up with the captain. And they don't even care. Because for them, they're just riding along on someone's dream and it is paying them well. They have more than enough food. They have the best friends of their lives. They get to go out and do something. And best of all, they're not even obligated to stay. They just stay as long as they want. When they don't like it, they get off. They might get off in a new land and become the settlers there. They might find a wife there. But it's no obligation to them. And they just enjoy the time. And it's a by choice. The Christopher Columbuses that we are, we have to be people that others will just want to be a part of the vision for the time that they belong there. And just like Christopher Columbus served and then was freed, so are each of we. We'll serve and then we're freed from our, you know, servitude, especially because now we know that we're going to do something. And the ultimate truth and myth is that when you break off service, that you should do a better job than your master. This is the poison of humanity repeating itself again and again and again in terms of a culture that has an ability to show love to masters. Masters are not to be hated 
God doesn't tell us to hate most masters unless they're cruel and abusive. And yet what we do is we act in hate as soon as we leave them because we've been cross-wired by, by <laughs> conflict. So let me, let me just give you less, this more a little bit. I have just very little time this morning. My life has changed now in a good way, but you know, it's like busier. And, but then now I think more is going to come flooding in for me to make sense of all that I've just learned. But Chris, even if he becomes self-sufficient, his game isn't changing. His interface, his way of being is all dependent on who he's serving. Okay, if Christopher Columbus in our story continues to be someone who found a land of good and plenty, but his motivation for coming back with stuff is to share it, okay, then Christopher is going to probably stay a pretty decent guy for a long time until that motivation changes. That's the essential qualities. And this is why so many people that have found the essential quality of themselves walk around with such confidence and they take all the hits and everything like that. And then suddenly you'll notice that they're not there anymore because they left the conflict zone. They stopped being with everybody at some point they turned it loose and they said, I'm done. That's what we like, but Jesus isn't that one. He sent it out. It's accomplished. The work is done. But in terms of the relationship, Jesus is valuable because he's there for everybody. Christopher in our story can't be there for everybody. He, and, and there's nothing he could do. He could drive his ship around and around and around and trade and trade and trade and give things here and there and do this and that and tell people this and that. But he would never, ever, ever finish his job or his work. He can't live long enough. He can't come up with all the pieces. It's just not going to happen. But God or Jesus already did fix it all. And he's still watching as it all unfolds. Like we get to participate. And Christopher Columbus will be here for his 100 years or whatever it is. And his name will be on the participation list in the, the same grand experiment. But the one who did the work is going to be God. He saw every birth. He saw every moment and molecule of all existence. And he is the one that's orchestrating all the good stuff that keeps happening. Seeds planted long ago are coming to fruit now. You know, and we keep seeing the blossoming and the blooming. If we can take these very principles that I'm talking about and remember them and store them, then our future conversations about the book of Revelation will make much more sense. <clears throat> if you don't hold this part, you cannot understand some of the aspects of the book of Revelation that are meant to free one and confuse another. The confusion in this story is not a bad thing, and God, we know, is not the author of confusion. But God himself is a stumbling block and he does not credit man guilt or innocence based on his confusion. He only bases his own decisions on where he finds people at the moments that he needs to view them. I know that sounds very bizarre, but if you think about it, you know you have a lot of grace up until the second you die. He has to see you then. That's what he's saying, basically. I will see you when you die. Just so you know, I'm going to see you and I'm sending this message out through billions of people and generations 
that stands out in the whole world and nothing else stands out quite the same. And I'm telling you, this is what you need to know. And I'm going to keep telling you in many different ways. And I'm going to try to show you, but you're going to see me. Okay. This is the kind of thing that I mean about, we want to be God's visitation upon everybody. Okay. And we can be, and we should be. And we have to be God's visitation upon everybody because this is his way of saying, I am coming to you now to warn you. I'm letting you know now while you're still here. And this is how I'm doing it. I've done it through the Bible. I've done it through this. But the Bible isn't going to run into you at the store unless somebody carries it. And so we have to talk and we have to preach and we have to do all these things so that God's voice keeps coming out in different ways. And that's why I like worship music so much. I like it because it's a way to get God's voice into people's ears. And despite what we might think, God works in the heart, not always the mind. The heart seems to be one of the places the mind struggles to free. And in the process, we learn so much and our soul is liberated when, when it goes well. But we can also find ourselves getting deeper into bondage, which is why we also can't just chase our emotions. Even when it's a good thing, like, oh, this worship music makes me feel so good. Well, you know, you cannot serve the world unless you are able to visit the world. And the world is not a happy place. Okay, that's all I want to say about that. And that's where God is a showing me now a type of peace that is available to me. But what uh, some of it I just am thinking about now. I'm just discovering some things and the, and the, and the, they it, I'll just give you a little slice of life here. All these images are coming to my mind right now and I'm talking about like God type of stuff where it's words and everything. So I'm like thinking about all this, but it just raises questions. In other words, God will show me, I'm just giving you a slice of life here. God will show me something. And because I don't, I, I've had the devil just as equally speak into my life. You know, I, I get it now. Like you can't, there's nobody that can be like, yep, God just said that. God just said that. God just said that. You have to test the spirits. So I get the information in, in the form of images, pictures, words upon my lips and tongue, like honestly, when I, and even my eyes, like God can fill me with different things at different times. Like right now I can, I can go places if I want to. Okay. I'm just being honest. I, I, I just, I have a Christian life. I, this is how I do it. But if I see something there, that's where I, I say hallelujah. And that's where I begin, you know, to deepen my relationship with God while I figure out what he's telling me using scripture. Because that's always the place. If you can't go back to the scripture and keep it going and work it and take all the parts that you think might be connected to it and look for how it connects in, if it doesn't plug in without it getting torn down by other verses, if it's that's when you begin to be able to to have something, you know, uh, of value and substance that you could package. I mean, that's what a loaf of bread is, right? I mean, you don't just throw the flour and the water and the the yeast and if it has yeast, you know, whatever, and all the other stuff, salt and whatever, you don't just throw it all into the air. You take it, you put it in a bowl, you work on it for a long time, and then you package it and it's only as big as it is and it's an actual thing. In fact, language, I'm just getting esoteric because I have this time. <laughs> See, you get to shut it off. If you were in church, you'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. I'd be like, fine, I'm just going to keep talking. No, I'm kidding. But no, like, 
uh, the bread itself is is a metaphor all throughout the Bible anyway. So you can go all over the place with this. I'm not going to waste people's time by just like billowing on about all this BS. So is that is that legal to say? Yes. Okay. So um, wrapping things up, uh, I don't want anybody to miss how powerful this is in terms of relationship. You see, the negative aspect of I keep wanting to say culture because I'm uh, I've people know I'm on a battle against the Jezebel spirit. Like I'm on a battle against it. You guys don't understand. I'm not stopping till I slay this thing in our country. That's my job right now is to slay it in the United States of America. Jezebel spirit going down one on one. And what I'm saying is the first thing she can't do is serve God. Right? Is that not true? A house divided. Yeah. So. If a Jezebel spirit is demonic, then if a person's carrying it, the person is not a demon. Right. So you get the Jezebel spirit to try to serve God, and guess what happens? Well, usually what happens is it comes after you, and you are unbelievably toast. But God's not going to leave you hanging, and so he gave me Christopher Columbus metaphor, but I've had the Christopher Columbus metaphor all my life. I can show it to you in my art, in my poetry from when I was younger. My love story when I was always looking for a woman out there was a Christopher Columbus, uh, you know, queen relationship. And I don't know why, but it's a humorous one. And she will hand him his head on a platter. Why? Do I, is that, to people, does that sound like some kind of perversion or something like that? I'll tell you what this is. This is God's gift to me to be able to do the work that he has for me. I've always had this kind of, I wrote a novel, you know, it took me, I've done some work and it always reflects this idea. And I think it's important because I think that this culture war left and right is going to continue to want to be a male, female oriented uh, battle. Now I can't explain it all because the male and female is a, 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 (laughs) a challenging aspect of the spiritual female spirit male spirit is god a male or a female and all the offense and confusion that's taken from all of these things you know and the the, to to have god be a male spirit and woman exist makes woman all that much more special wouldn't you say especially since god created her and then talks about how much he loves her so when we we start talking about men and women and we keep wanting these to not divide it up in any way because we don't want anybody to be treated less fairly or more fairly. Well, God wouldn't have divided us up if it was more or less fair. And and I could tell you that a hundred ways. Why? Just like when you get to heaven and you have a huge blessing from everything that happened in your life that, that you earned rewards in heaven. Do you think you're better blessing or different blessing? You see... And whatever it is, is, it's the uniqueness of your blessing that always makes it. And just being a woman will never be good enough when you really get to eternity anyway. Or just being a man. When you get to eternity, you would get so bored with just that that you're going to... Okay, alright. I'm going on and on now uh, because my <laughs> my spidey senses are starting to tingle. It's getting to be time for me to move on. But this relationship with... with our culture, when we fight with the left, okay, I'm going to boil it down. The left is a Jezebel spirit. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Left is a Jezebel spirit. This is something that comes on and off people. 
I mean, trust me, it ain't just like all of us, we do it. We're, we're, we're like Dunkin' Donuts here. You know, whatever's flavor of the month, we wind up doing that half the time because Jesse sent us up to do it, okay? And we do this stuff, I'm saying, in the presence of God. And we bring it into his life. And he, he deals with us handily. But whenever we do this stuff, we're messing things up for everybody else. And I know maybe I'm being vague, but I'm talking about the, the, the enemy in our culture right now in the United States of America is, is a spirit. It's a spirit. It wants to be so disparate. And that means so many different pieces and places that we won't be able to combat it. That's not true. There is a spirit that can be attacked here. And it's like the kingpin. And maybe people don't realize that I believe in the, in the demonic world that there's a hierarchy, okay? And within that hierarchy, you find uh, a very uh, tenuous order, okay? And I don't say much more because uh, you don't want to uh, jeopardize your safety by... Uh, <sighs> I, anybody ever deal with the spiritual on the level I'm talking about? Like you want, if I believe that my mission partly is to win it, like, you know, that we, I truly, honestly, I'm telling you, I truly, honestly believe part of the mission here that I'm riding on. It's not alone, but is to take out the leadership on a spiritual level of something that's operating in our country. You could call it Jezebel. You could call it whatever else I've, because remember Legion, we are many. Okay. It spoke with one voice. Do you understand what I mean? I'm not talking, trying to make it like a video game or something where I say there's a kingpin. I'm saying ultimately what I've discovered is though Satan is, uh, a liar, you know, he, within his dominion, he still rules. And the way he rules is through brute force. And so he has an order that is designed out of brute force and works out of brute force. You yourself are in his kingdom unless you get in the kingdom of God. So if you try to raise a voice against him directly in oh so many ways, he has the tools to crush you. He really does. It's only through the operation of the Holy Spirit and getting on like a, 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 a special place. I don't, I could think of a word, but I don't want anybody to think I'm like being, I don't want to get stones thrown at me, but the Holy Spirit has, has the only way that you can live in this world where that thing ain't going to crush you and it will still try. And it has many, many, many means. And so that's why I don't walk around. I'm not one of those people that, that yells at the enemy all day and night. I've done that. And I'll tell you what, you'll tire out even the angels trying to help you. I'm not saying permanently, but you know, it's not what we, it's not the best approach. It works in extreme circumstances and it's definitely a good education, but it's a tiring way to go about the same job. Instead of going into the Legion faction and destroying each individual member of it, you would cast out the whole thing as a mass. And that's why in my application of everything God's taught me, I've kept going up and up until I made this big announcement. Oh, I'm, I'm going after the Jezebel spirit. I'm calling it that. If I knew its name, I would probably not want to call it out yet anyway. Because I'm telling you, this is a long journey, dude. You have to get strong before you can even get to the point where you want to face it. But in the meantime, what we get, we don't focus on that thing. What we get is, imagine, here's the metaphor I have. You're like super strong 
and you're walking and you've got an awareness, you don't look it in the eye, remember. You know where it is, just like Medusa. It's up there. You don't look it in the eyes. As you walk up, you know exactly what you're doing. If you look at it in the eyes, it can start to ponder everything and you'll have to exchange with it and it will keep looking and looking and looking and ultimately you will get worn out. It's God has the perfect plan, but you yourself could never do battle with it. So you're waiting. God's the one that's going to be the one. He's got the weapon just like David and Goliath and he's going to take it out, but he doesn't want you to look at it. So you're walking up to it and as you do, each time you encounter somebody that could possibly be moved out of the way of the path of this thing, because that's what it is. It wants whatever. It's on a direct path in it. It will destroy anybody. And as you walk by, you're so strong, you just grab people by the shoulders, by their by their shirt, like, you know, one hand on each shoulder, and you literally just fling them out of the way, and they're all getting flung to safety. It's like you're on a bridge, and they're getting thrown to, you know, over the lava or whatever, onto a safe place on either side. You're going through, you're walking down the middle of a chasm, there's all these people on the bridge, and you're throwing them to either either side. That is basically life, while you get keep going and going and going and you and then God has told you about this sword of the Lord it's the word of God and it's in your hand and when you get up there you know you're going to grab that by the hair you're not looking it in the eye now and you're going to cut its head off you're going to hold the head up okay <laughs> it's going to stare off into space and then you're going to throw it over the side into the lava and the head's going to burn up and that's going to be the last you ever have to deal with it then you don't know what's going to happen after that. And that's kind of how funny it is with God because the bridge could catch on fire now because like her head got it, (laughs) you know, stoked up a little down there and you might have to start running. Okay. But do not, do not worry. You should just be glad that Medusa is gone. Okay. That's all my messages for today. So everybody take care. I hope you got something out of that and that it, Oh, it recorded to the end. All right. Well, isn't that wonderful? I hope you got something out of that. And, uh, God bless you all and and thanks for your support and everybody who just doesn't unfollow me on Twitter, which is my main, you know, venue at this time. All right. Thank you for not unfollowing me. I appreciate that. I I have an unfollow button thing that tells me who unfollows me and I don't study it because I'm trying to catch anybody. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not like massively offending people with my tweets. Not that they probably notice them, but no, it's usually it's once in a while it's that, but I don't, I don't really mind that, but it's, it's mostly these bot things that that keep friending and unfriending me. So, you know, or whatever, it's not friending, it's following. I don't like following. It's like a weird thing. You, you happen to allow the person into your sphere of, uh, like visual and mental thinking. You're like, I will allow them in there. And I don't only allow perfect things in at all. I like the controversy and I'll, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'll unfollow people if it isn't healthy for me at that time, whatever it is. Whatever I see is how I respond based on my prayers. Same for you. So whoever follows, quote, me on Twitter, I appreciate you that you just have. It makes me feel better. So God bless you and yours. In Jesus' name, amen.